My wife takes care of our grandson. Every single day, most days, he, she's in his care. He's in her care. Yeah, sometimes it's the other way around. Um, the only, the, one day a week, he goes to another house so that he gets to do a play date with some kids, but most of the time, he's in Renee's care. And what Renee has taught him is that it's important to have a good, healthy breakfast every single morning. So he doesn't want cereal and milk when his mommy's home on Saturday. He wants eggs and sausage. And he wants juice. He loves juice. Now, in our house, we normally have um, apple juice. We normally have uh, orange juice and sometimes cranberry juice. Every so often, Renee will buy a jar of grape juice. But it's not often that we have grape juice. But recently, as recently as just back in December, Renee had gotten a, gl- a bottle of grape juice. And so this one particular morning, we were having breakfast and Renee poured, or I poured out the juice for us, and we had our breakfast, and then Alexander said, Grandma, can I have some more of God's blood? And my heart swelled. I was like, that is so cool. That's what he understands and knows grape juice to be associated with. Communion. That we drink this every so often, not all the time. And when we do, it's all about God. And that is so, so cool. And I wanted to talk with you this morning, telling you that small story before we read the scripture. Turn with me now to chapter first, excuse me, first John chapter five, verses six through twelve. Chapter 5 of 1 John, verses 6 through 12. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water, and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, of human beings, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God, that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has a testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God, I mean, excuse me, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. And then some scholars will tell you that verse 13 belongs with this pericope. And so let's go ahead and read that as well. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, this whole lesson is about testimony or witnessing or speaking truth to somebody. And honestly, when I started studying for this sermon, I was like, oh God, I hate this passage. 
Because it's so hard to understand. And I'm now responsible for chewing on it and understanding it well enough to be able to explain it to other people. Please, God, help me. Honestly, it was, it, it, it was not a pleasant thing for me. Now, as I was reading, God began to just show me different things. And so I think I've got a pretty good handle on what this says, and I'm going to impart to you. But the one thing that I was frustrated with, and it is still kind of a frustration to me, is that my normal process is that I want to, I want to grab one jewel, one gem out of this passage, and then polish it up and get it all ready and then present it to you to carry with you all week. So that's normally what I try to do. Try to get something that you can take with you and carry and go, wow, and meditate on that all week long. This particular sermon's not going to be that way. This is more just giving information to you and allowing the Holy Spirit of God to do whatever God chooses to do with that information. And then the wrap-up of this sermon is going to be taking the communion elements this morning. Okay? So this... This is going to be our conclusion to the sermon. Taking the body and the blood of Christ. Now, let me start, before we even get to that point, by saying in the Church of the Nazarene, anyone who knows Jesus as their Savior is welcome to take this bread and to take this this juice. You don't have to be a member of this church. You don't have to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene. As long as you are a Christian, and as long as you are in right relationship with God, in other words, you're not out actively invo- involved in sin, but you're trying to live a life that is holy and pleasing before God and righteous, you are welcome at this table. So you have the rest of this 30 minutes or so to make it right between you and God if you want a snack at the end. Okay? <laughs> Otherwise, you can watch the rest of us have a celebration. Now, there's a couple things you need to notice or understand. And I'm going to start at the back and then we're going to bounce around a little bit in here. Look at verse uh, 11 and 12. This is the testimony that God gave us. Excuse me, I keep doing that. There's There's a comma there. This is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. Whenever we talk, whether it is God the Spirit talking to us, or whether it is us talking amongst ourselves, or whether it is us trying to proclaim truth, the gospel, to another human being who may not know Christ. The truth of the testimony is simply this. God has given us eternal life. We could close right there. That's the end of the story. If you read the scriptures, if you've read any part of the scriptures, you know that the whole crux of the matter is this. Human beings were designed for relationship with the Almighty. Because we have the choice to choose to serve and love the Almighty, we have the choice to not choose to serve the Almighty and to do our own thing. And when you do that, you sin. And so from the very beginning of all human human history, every single human, the scriptures tell us, Romans 3, I mean, humans, Romans 6.23, all have sinned. Every single human has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So what that means is it may have only been one time in your life, but you have violated the known law of God intentionally, willfully, because you wanted to, not because you had no choice. And as a result, you broke the relationship between you and God. And the only way that you can make it right is to have never done that sin. 
which is impossible for you. And as a result, God had to do something so that you could enter back into right relationship with God. And so God chose to send His only Son so that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have eternal life. That is the truth of the Gospel. That is something that is not acceptable in our culture today. You will tell people that and they'll go... That's just gross. I don't want that. I don't receive that. Unless they were brought up in the church, then they might be a little bit more polite. But unless the person is a Christian, most people in a Western culture today are not even willing to discuss Jesus with you. They're not willing to talk about religion with you. Why? They've been hurt. They've got a bad taste in their mouth. They are just prejudiced against it. It is not vogue. It is not cool. It is not the best thing to be involved with in this society. Whatever their motivation, they don't want to hear it. But the problem is, we're called of God to speak that truth. And the truth is this. God gave us eternal life. The problem with this truth is what comes next in this verse. This eternal life is found in the Son of God. You see, in human, uh, in the human mind, I should be able to choose whatever path I want to choose, and I will still get to God, because God loves. God will never reject me. God loves all of us. And so God will just accept me as long as I'm being sincere and true and trying to do the best that I can. God will accept me. But see, the problem is your, your whole thought process is not accurate. Why? Because you go back to what I said at the very beginning. When you violated the law of God... You sinned. You broke relationship with God. Therefore, you can't do anything to change that. Like I said, the only way you could go back and make it right is if you could go back in time and never do it. So even if you've only sinned one time in your whole existence, you can't fix that and you no longer have right relationship with God. And so now you are dependent on the grace and the mercy of the Almighty who has provided for you a way back into right relationship and ultimately eternal life, eternally being with the Father. And that one way is the only way through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made on the cross, his blood, his resurrection, and the fact that he now sits at the right hand of the Father Almighty on our behalf. Speaking on our behalf, pleading our case. We heard in Sunday school this morning having a defense. Jesus makes the defense on our behalf. Now that's the truth of the gospel that John is teaching these people. And it says in verse 12, whoever has the son who has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life. Now let's back up to verse 10. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony within themselves. Hear that. You heard me tell the children this. God requires human, humans to be the ones to share the truth. 
But it is only once the Holy Spirit of God whispers a confirmation into the soul or spirit of the person who heard the truth that that actual becomes real. And that the, all of a sudden it's like a light goes on. Oh my word, I am indeed a sinner before God. Oh my, oh my word, the only way I have to have access to the Father is through Christ. Oh my word, the only way I can do this is to repent and confess of my sin and to receive the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ my Lord. Oh God, help me. Lord, have mercy on me. All of that comes about because the Holy Spirit of God whispers that into your mind and into your heart. After you've heard it from some other human being. I only know of one human being that I've ever met who can't testify that somebody witnessed to her, but she actually came to faith simply by reading the Bible. She had never had anybody tell her about God, except she was just sitting there reading the Bible and she happened to be sitting on the toilet when it happened. And all of a sudden, the conviction of the Holy Spirit fell on her and she gave her heart to Christ right then and there. So her testimony is she came to the Lord while on the toilet. But I'm, I, sit, I submit to you that the person who printed that book and the person who bought the book and the person who placed it in her hands was the one that brought the truth to her as a human being to another human being. And then the Holy Spirit of God was able to take that, that truth that was brought to her and make it real so that they could then respond. But So verse 10 says, whoever believes in the Son of God, whoever has this true faith, has the testimony within themselves. Whoever does not believe God literally is calling God a liar. Because God specifically said, I am the way. Jesus said it, John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. End of discussion. There is no other way, given them no other, in, in, in Acts uh, chapter 4, I think it is, or chapter 3, Peter says, there is no other name given among humanity by which we might be saved other than Jesus. That's the only way. That's the only name. That's the only hope. So John here in this letter is saying, if you believe you have the testimony within yourself because God planted that testimony within you. Whoever doesn't believe is literally thumbing your nose in God's face and saying, you're a liar. There's another way. This isn't the only way. You're lying to me. Can you imagine, honestly, can you imagine being that one? Looking at the Almighty and shaking your fist and saying, don't lie to me. There's another truth out there. All things lead to you. Don't try and trick me. See how silly that sounds? But that's reality, folks. The culture in which we live right now, and I don't have a statistic to give you, but I'd say probably 8 out of 10 are railing against God. You're not going to tell me how to live. You're not going to try and make me conform to your own tiny little way. I see how your people are. I don't want to be like that. Well, they don't have to be like us. They have to be like Jesus. And see, the enemy uses that to twist their mind and doesn't allow them to see the fact that they're not called to be like Christians. They're called to be like Christ. Christ. 
So now we've, we've got the understanding that the goal is to be a participant in the meal. The goal is to be invited and to actually accept the invitation to sit at the supper table of the Lamb throughout all of eternity. The, the, the goal is when Christ said, this is my body being broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This is my blood being shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you eat it and drink it, do it to my glory, to my Father's glory, and acknowledge before all of humanity that you're one of mine. Can you imagine if we held a communion service in the, in the lobby of Fred Myers? How comfortable would you be doing that? Honestly. Would you feel safe sitting in Starbucks? Although if we went up right in the corner up against the glass where nobody could see me. Think about it. But we're called to be witnesses to the world to bring the truth of the gospel no matter how comfortable or uncomfortable it might be. Now, the issue is, what is the testimony that you're bringing? Now, I've told you for years... Tell your story. No one can deny your story. Okay? If you have a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ, all you have to do is say, hey, I believe, I'm a believer in Jesus. Nobody can refute you. Now, they can say, well, I don't agree with that. Okay. But that doesn't change the fact that I believe it. And it's not going to change the fact that I'm in right relationship with God just because you refuse to accept the truth. I know where I'm headed. And unfortunately, I know where you're heading. Even though you're blinded to it. But the, but Jesus said, I mean, John said in this in this section that there's a specific testimony that takes place, and that's what we're going to focus on for just a few minutes before we take this this bread and take this juice. He said in chapter five, verses six through nine, "This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ." Not only, but not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. We're going to break that up in two sections. What is this water and blood? Well, if you go back to, and turn with me to it, if you go back to the very first chapter of 1 John, the very first four verses of this book, John, who wrote this letter to a specific group of Christians who were dealing with a specific problem and a specific challenge in their church or group of churches, John said, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son Jesus Christ and we are writing these things to writing these writing these things so that our joy may be complete the whole crux of this John was saying was I am an eyewitness to what God has done. I have been imparted with the truth. And it has been given to me 
that I have to tell others. And so that's exactly what I'm doing here. I am telling others by writing this letter. I am saying to you, I have the truth. It has been given to me by God Almighty and I'm sharing with you. There is only one way for you to have right relationship with God. There's only one way for your sins to be forgiven. There's only one way for you to know when you die that you will go into eternity and stay with the Father forever and have glorious peace and joy and all the blessings of being with the Father. And that is to confess your sins, to repent of your sins, to Ask God into your life to have Jesus as your Savior and ultimately as your Lord. And then to walk as Jesus walked until the time comes that the Holy Spirit, I mean, that the God the Father calls you off this earth. And the truth of the matter is, is that as you're walking in this right relationship with God, the Holy Spirit of God himself will empower you and cleanse you and walk beside you, guiding you into all truth. Giving you the ability to do that which you're called to do. You have this incredible opportunity available to you. But you have to, you have the choice to make. You get to make that decision. Am I going to receive this free offer? So I've said it to you, now what do you do? And the problem that John was facing, and that this group of Christians was facing was that there were people who were saying, we're going to believe in a different Jesus than what you're teaching. See, they didn't believe that Jesus was truly God and human. They believed that Jesus was a human being who at the time of his baptism received the Christ. The holy part, the God part. Because remember in, this, in the Gospel of John, at the time that Jesus was baptized, what did they see? They saw the Holy Spirit of God in the form of a dove coming down and lighting upon Jesus. And so there was this teaching going on that Jesus was actually just a human being that had been empowered by the holy presence of God to now spend three years preaching and then just before he was crucified that presence left and the, the human being Jesus died but not the God well if that's the case and we can go into 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to see this the logic of that is there is no hope Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 if there is no resurrection then we are all living lies because the whole hope of this is that God raised Jesus from the dead. And God took his only begotten son, who was indeed God, and allowed him to be crucified on that cross. And he died. And then three days later, he rose. Now, all of this doesn't make sense to the human mind. But as we speak that truth, it gets implanted and, and Jesus himself talked about it. It's like scattering seed. And then it's, there's time for it to germinate. And then it starts to grow. And it is the Holy Spirit that brings about the increase. And at some point, that seed that is being germinating in the, in the spirit and the soul and the mind of the human being that's received it, eventually the Holy Spirit's going to whisper and say, it's true. And what are you going to do about it? And then, well, this argument about Jesus not being who Jesus said he was is being refuted 
by John. It's a testimony is by the water and the blood. The, the, the problem is with this, the, and this is where it gets convoluted and why I didn't want to study this, is nobody has anything definitive that they can pull out of the Bible that says specifically what John was referring to. What people believe John was referring to, and again, there's still different camps, and you can go read it all for yourself. I'm going to go with the one that I feel is the most plausible. The water represents the baptism of Christ. The blood represents the death of Christ. It's not just that the Holy Spirit of God rested on this human being and then left him before the death, but it's the whole package. God the Father agreed with God the Son that God the Son would literally inhabit the womb of a virgin. He would spend a full gestational period of nine to ten months. He would then be born through the birth canal and come out taking his very first breath as a fully human being who also was fully God. But he would be fully human, which meant he would be needing to be nursed. He would have to have his diapers changed. He would have to be taught how to walk. He would have to be taught how to talk. And ultimately, he would be schooled in the, in the, in the scriptures and in all about what God is. And how that all worked, that God would have to be schooled on what it means to be a servant of God, I can't fathom because it's beyond anything that I understand. But the reality was, Jesus walked this earth for 30 plus years and then finally he was crucified. It says, our, our, our statements of faith say he suffered, he died, and he was buried. And so John's argument is, I've been there. I was there. I was there at the beginning when he was baptized because I saw it with my own eyes. And I was standing at the foot of that cross one day when that soldier pierced his side with a spear and I saw the water and blood flow. I was there. And I am telling you the truth. This is real. This isn't some story that I'm making up. I have staked my entire life on this story. This isn't some fable I've made up. But then he says, but don't take my word for it. Because not only is it the, the blood and the water, but it's this very spirit of God that is whispering to you right now, confirming my words to your spirit. And you can't ignore that. You can at your own peril. But you can't deny the fact that something's going on right now in your own spirit. John Wesley described it as his heart was being strangely warmed when the, when the reality and the truth of the gospel finally gripped his soul. And that's what John is saying in these six or seven verses. There is a truth that is undeniable. There is a truth that cannot be changed. There is a truth that must be testified. And there is a God who by his own spirit will confirm your testimony to the one who's hearing it. That's what John is saying to us this morning. The reality is, it's your job to speak the truth. It's your job to continually Look for ways to be intentional about speaking that truth. 
And one way to do it is to publicly acknowledge Jesus is indeed my Savior, and I strive to let him be my Lord. And I walk by the power of the presence of God in my life, and I listen to the truth that he whispers to me. And so God help me to continue to walk in a faithful way that turns people to him and advances the kingdom. So that when it's all said and done, when I am finally called to be in my eternal home and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I can know that I will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into your Father. Enter into your rest. That's the goal for me. That's what I expect would be the goal for every one of you who named Jesus as your Savior. But the reality is until he calls you home, you have a job to do, and that is to speak that truth to every human being you can. It's not your job to convict them. It's not your job to convince them. It's your job to present them with the truth. It's the Holy Spirit's job to do the convincing, the convicting, and the ultimate transforming into the image of Jesus. Let's pray.